0: They are your family. And to apply that, we need to do a bit of contextualization sometimes. For me, this works. Timothy was probably in his 30s here, so I've got to fit where he is. But if with an older woman, it doesn't make sense to think of older men um, as like a father. But we might think of them as like a brother. We have to kind of think, well, where do I fit into the family in this? But his point is, underlying it, is we are family. And so interact with each other as if you are family. That's the, the model we go from. And it's also really striking as you read through the New Testament, the most common way that Christians talk about other Christians or they address and talk to other Christians is using the term brother or brother and sister. You find it in Acts, you find it in Paul's letters, you find it in Hebrews, in James, in Peter's letters, in John's letters in Revelation. That's basically pretty much the whole of the New Testament. The primary way Christians think of each other is as brothers and sisters. They recognized that they are family that had permeated their understanding of who they are and then of how they related with each other. They knew that they needed a village to thrive. And they knew that together they were that village. Together they were family. And all of that, the knowing they were family, flowed from the fact that they knew who they were as individuals. They knew that as individuals they had been adopted by God, that now they were God's children. If they were God's children then they were siblings with each other. They were family together. So in that same letter, Romans, Paul talks about this. Chapter 8 of Romans, Paul's talking about what Christian life looks like. He describes it as life with the Spirit, because to be a Christian is to have the Holy Spirit living in you, God himself walking with you. And he says there, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. He says every Christian, Christian, every person led by the Spirit, which by definition means a Christian, because if you're a Christian, you've got the Spirit living in you. Every Christian, he says, has been adopted by God as a son of God. A son because the sons are the heirs. We're heirs, as we're going to go on to see. That means that Christians no longer are Fearful. No longer fearful of God's condemnation or God's judgment. We don't live kind of thinking, well, does God really love me? Does God really like me? Am I going to do something that's too bad? Is he going to turn his back on me? We don't live in fear. We live knowing that we're sons. We're adopted and we're invited into this secure position. This intimate relationship with God where God's spirit himself helps us to cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Papa. Words of great intimacy, great connection. And then he goes on, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I like to think of it as almost like he's there and he's tapping us on the shoulder every now and then. Don't forget, you're a child of God. Don't forget, you're loved, you're secure. That can never change. God loves you, God likes you, God wants you. And he says, and if children, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God and we're fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him, in order that we may be glorified with him. We're heirs. We're heirs of God. That means we inherit from God. We inherit the fulfillment of all of the promises that God has made. And notice he says, not only are we heirs, but we are co-heirs or fellow heirs with Christ. That means that Jesus is our brother. Later in chapter 8, Paul talks about Jesus as the firstborn among many brothers. This is a family. Jesus is our brother, a co-heir. We're alongside him. We're being adopted by God into that family. And so that whole concept of being family that goes all through the New Testament, we see it in Romans and in Timothy and all over the place, flows from the fact that these guys knew they'd been adopted by God. Now they were family. That was true for them, but that's true today for any one of us who's a follower of Jesus. Any one of us who is a Christian that we've been adopted by God, we're his children, and therefore we're siblings, family together. And we often miss that about adoption. When we think about adoption in terms of God, we think of the vertical. We think it's us and me. That's kind of what it's about. And we forget that the vertical is there, but that means also the horizontal is there. There's us and God, but there's also me and you. There's the being together in family as well. So this is who we are. As God's people, Part of our identity is we are sons of God, and so together we are the family of God. That's the first thing we need to get. But the second thing is that we need to be family. We are family, but then we need to actually live as family. Because, you know, to live as family is very different from being family. The reality is, by the way, things work, that every person is born with biological family. But the sad fact is not everybody gets to experience life with their biological family. To live as family is very different. It requires being proactive. It requires taking action. It's not a kind of automatic thing. It takes choice. It takes action on our part. And that's what we need to do as well. We're already family. Whether you like it or not, we're stuck together. But to live as family requires us to do some stuff. So I'm going to quickly look at two reasons why we don't do that. Two things which might stop us from doing that. And then very quickly, at three things that can help each one of us to begin to do that more. We can step into living as a family together. First off, some reasons we don't do it. And these kind of things I think are really important because often these are the things that are going on all the time. Usually it's the way the world around us is and it kind of infects us and shapes how we're acting and we never notice it. And it's almost like we need to shine a light into those dark corners so we can recognize what's going on. And once we recognize what's going on, We can take steps to not be caught up in that. So the first reason many of us struggle to live as family is self-sufficiency. We live in a society, a culture, where self-sufficiency is a marker of success. Where there's this kind of thing where we're proud of being okay on our own. We don't want to depend on other people. We don't want to look like we need anything from other people. It's that thing of, I'm okay on my own. I'm doing fine. I can handle this. It's all okay. And then on the flip side, we see it as kind of great weakness to admit that we're not okay. To admit that we need other people. We need help. We need input. We need care. Self-sufficiency is there lurking in the background. And that lie of the culture telling us you should be okay on your own stops us from being family with other people. I think actually if we're Christians, it can kind of be even worse and even harder. We can almost think, well, if I admit that I'm not okay... If I admit that I need help from other people, I'm saying that God isn't helping me enough. I'm saying that God isn't enough. We kind of feel guilty. We think, I should be fine because God's good and God loves me. I should be fine. And therefore, we become more and more self-sufficient. But that's not how God has made us to be. That's all rooted in what we call individualism, the whole way of looking at the world, thinking of all of us as individuals, our own, you know, every man is his own kind of island thing. But individualism is the opposite to family. And we are family. God has made us family, called us to be family. And actually, the Bible teaches us we're not designed or created to be self-sufficient. We're not designed and created to be independent. We're designed and created to be interdependent, to be mutually dependent on each other, to get by by supporting each other. So in another Paul's letters, Galatians 6, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're meant to bear one another's burdens. That means I'm meant to burden you, and you're meant to burden me, because that's what we do in family. And notice he says that doing that fulfills the law of Christ. He puts this as a hugely significant, important thing. He says a key part of following Christ is to bear one another's burdens. And as I thought about this, I was struck There's something about family and sharing burdens. If I need something, if I need a lift or I want to scrounge a meal or something, I don't think twice about asking my parents. There's something about family where if you are blessed with a good family, you don't think twice about being a burden to them. Whereas in other people, we do. But we are family. Bearing burdens for each other should be a natural thing. And I think even Jesus knew this. Go to the end of Jesus' life. He knows what's coming. He knows he's about, it's the night he's betrayed. He knows he's going to be handed over to the Romans, knows he's going to be executed the next day. And he goes to the garden in Gethsemane to pray. But he doesn't go on his own. He takes his 12 followers with him, and he takes actually into the garden with him his three closest friends and asks them to sit nearby to pray. We know they can overhear what Jesus prays because they told us what he prays. They were nearby. He wasn't trying to be self-sufficient in that moment. He wasn't saying, I'm okay on my own. I've got it all together. He went, no, no, I need these people alongside me. And that's frankly just a really hard thing to do and a way to live in our society. We have to battle against feelings of weakness, feelings of being a failure by doing that, that it's inappropriate to burden people. But we battle against it with the truth. Bear one another's burdens. We're made to be family together. One of the things I think I'm gradually learning about this is that bearing burdens has to be a very deliberate choice in both directions. So this is one example from my life. A number of months ago, I was having a really rough time. I ended up um, one evening in my car in tears on Bexhill seafront. And eventually, I plucked up the courage to phone a friend. And he was amazing. And within moments, he said, go home, get a bag, you'll stay in the night with us. And I went, I stayed the night on their sofa. I spent the next morning with them. I properly interrupted their life. I was a proper burden upon them. But I was in the right state, and I needed family at that point. And I actually remember having to make this kind of conscious choice so I drove there, thinking, I need family right now. I'm going to let myself be a burden to them. It had to be a deliberate thing, because everything in me was going, Andrew, this is totally out of order. You're being totally, uh, you know, can't do this. But no, I thought, I have to be, allow myself. But it's a two-way thing. I just want to be, don't just want to be a burden on people. I want to be burdened. And so on my side, I'm realizing for myself, the most uh, kind of, the biggest thing I need to be growing in this is I'm the kind of person who I have most hours of the day mapped out. I've always got something I'm doing, what I want to do. And so if someone turns up at my home, I can struggle a little bit to let go of what I'm doing and to be friendly to them. But I want to. I want my friends to be able to turn up my home in tears and for me to drop everything and spend time with them. I want to carry their burdens, but I know that will have to be a deliberate choice for me to do that because it won't come naturally to me. If we're going to do this, we need to understand what's going on behind the scenes and then be deliberate about pushing against it. A second thing that stops us often from being family together is busyness. It stops us from being in meaningful relationships. And busyness, you may well have heard me talk about this before. It's one of my pet issues, really. Busyness is not primarily a diary issue. Busyness is a heart issue. The reality is most of us probably could or probably do have the time to do this, or probably could make the time to do this. But we choose not to. And so we need to ask why that is. And obviously, it's this disease of busyness. And one of the things that disease does when it gets into our hearts is it kind of uh, it skews our understanding of what a good use of time is. And so we think the only good use of time is doing something that is productive. Maybe literally producing something physically. Maybe something more abstract, learning a new skill, taking a new knowledge or something... And if that's the way we think, and that's the way our culture thinks, you don't value a relationship. Relationships aren't deemed productive. They aren't deemed to achieve anything. And so we see time as not worthwhile investing into relationships. We can find ourselves being fearful of what other people think. Or if I spend all this time with people and just not being productive, what are people going to think of me? People are going to think I'm lazy if I'm going to dinner with someone yet again. But the reality is we're created for relationship. Go to the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 2, perfect world, perfect garden, the first human beings put there, but actually one thing, in the midst of perfection, one thing is not good. The thing that's not good is that this human human is on their own. And so God creates a companion. God starts human community, and that shows us that we are hardwired with a need for human community. It's a vital part. It shows us that even though Adam had a perfect relationship with God, He still needed human community. God isn't enough, it turns out, and God knows that. He's created us with that need, and so he puts us in community. We need to push against the lie that the only good use of our time is stuff that's making money or making stuff or achieving something in a kind of uh, concrete way and recognize that investing in relationship is vital for us. So those are two things uh, which maybe are going on which stop us from living as family. What are three quick things that help us to live as family? First off, I put learning to love, which might sound a bit odd or a bit simplistic, but we need to learn to love like Jesus and recognize that loving like Jesus is a choice. Jesus says to us in John 15, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. He says that to really love It's to lay down your own wants, your own preferences, your desires, your plans, your purposes, your priorities, and to preference the other person. It's a choice to take that step to do that. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. When we were totally undeserving, when we had totally rejected him, he laid down his life for us, sacrificed everything, and now he calls us to do the same. There's that that, uh, saying, friends are the family you choose for yourself, which I quite like. It's quite a nice saying. But the implication of that is family are the ones you're stuck with. You don't get any choice. You're stuck with them, whatever. Well, guys, church is family, so we're stuck with each other. There's no choice, and that means we need to learn to love each other. And that includes loving the people you find difficult. It includes loving the people you find very different from yourself, so we're not just being family with the people like us. And I know for me, that's the most challenging bit of what I'm talking about today, the bit I find most difficult. But I know it's what Jesus did. And that's what Jesus wants me to do, and so I want to grow to become more like that. We need to learn to love like Jesus loves, which ultimately is a choice. Sometimes it will actually feel quite uncomfortable. Sometimes it will mean it doesn't feel quite so relaxing to be with people as we want it to be. But it's what we're called to do. That's the first thing, learn to love like Jesus loves. Second thing is about learning to be personal, learning to be authentic. We need to be real with other people. Real with each other, being a family is about having deep relationships. And you can only have a deep relationship with someone when you actually know them deeply. And you know what's really going on, you know how they really are. And that's a really hard thing in our day and age. We live in a social media age where you have lots of contacts and very few real connections. Social media has trained us, both online and offline, to kind of put up this mask of our exciting life, all the great things that are happening, and neither the, really to be honest with people about what life is really like to let them really connect with us and what's actually going on. But honesty and openness, authenticity are vital to being family together. They're vital actually to having good friendships. Sometimes that means it's really painful, really embarrassing. Sometimes sometimes for me to be open and authentic to my friends, I just feel really pathetic. The stuff I'm telling them, I'm feeling all that's going on. But I know that it means we can be family together. They can only really love me when they actually know who I am and what's going on. And you can't do this with everyone, obviously, but Jesus is a great model. Jesus, you know, he kind of had the 12 guys he uh, kind of did life with and traveled around with. But even within the 12, there were three in particular with whom he was particularly close. The guys he took with him into the garden at Gethsemane, he recognized that you can have lots of friends because pretty much anywhere Jesus went, he seemed to know people and be liked and be loved. But he knew there had to be a smaller group with whom he'd actually live his life and then an even smaller group who'd be the ones who really knew everything that was going on. That's a good model for us. Do you have the two, the three, the four who you can tell anything to? The people who can ask you anything. People you can be really real, really open, really authentic with outside of a marriage relationship I'm talking about here so we can be family together. And then finally, a practical thing we do, is, I mean, all of us can think about how this applies in our own life is sharing life. A bit of a Christian buzzword at the moment but the best way to put it which basically means do what you usually do but do it with other people. Because that's what family life is, isn't it? Family life isn't doing special stuff all the time. It's just you're doing daily life, normal stuff, but you do it alongside each other rather than doing it alone. That means that to do this, you don't need to go all out and cook a five-course meal and put out the candelabra and the best silver and the finest crockery and all that. It means that when you're having pizza or you're making a big spaghetti bolognese, you invite a few people to come and enjoy it with you. When you're going to do, I don't know, what Strictly Come Dancing, you invite a few people, I don't watch that, a few people to come and join me with you. I really hate that, actually. That's a bad family memory for me, actually, Strictly Come Dancing. Anyway, it means you do normal stuff, but you do it with other people. And that's a great context, then, to be open and authentic with people. That's the place you deepen those relationships with each other. I know for myself, as I've sought to try and live out this biblical model of family more and more, one of the ways I feel most loved, actually, and most experience family is my friends whose houses I can go to, and I know I can just walk off and turn the kettle on and make a cup of tea. I can raid the fridge, I can just turn up, I can keep on the sofa if I need to. It's not when they go all out to make it really special for me, it's when actually it's really normal. It's really normal everyday life together. So just have a think what do you do that you could have others alongside you in doing together? And who do you know who you can invite to join alongside you? Maybe the challenge, the challenge to me definitely is who is not my natural invite, but is the person actually I should be inviting to be family with me? So it takes a village to raise a Christian. And that village is us. It's the church together, a family together. Church is family. It's who we are, an identity thing. But then it needs to be how we live, what we do, the way we actually do this together. We need to be proactive about it, watching out for how self sufficiency, how busyness might stop us from doing it. But then thinking about how we can learn to love, learn to be open, authentic, learn to share life together. That actually is what every single one of us needs. That's what these dear families we're going to pray for just now need. That's what these children we're going to pray for as they grow up are going to need in life and in following Jesus. So let's be that family together. Let's just pray.
1: Father, thank you for the
0: wonderful truth that we are family because we are your children. Thank you. You don't just save us. You don't just rescue us, which is far more than we deserve anyway. But you then say, I'm going to adopt you so you are safe and secure. I'm going to love you and shower my goodness upon you. And thank you that with that, we become family. We are brothers of Jesus and we are brothers and sisters together. And Father, we say we know that's who we are. And so we ask now, would you please help us? That would become how we live. Help each one of us in our own context, our own situations, to hear from you, to think through with this. How do we begin to live more and more with church as family? And Father, we ask, will we be a place where every person, no matter what their age, no matter what their background, no matter what their life setting or situation, will be able to find family, find love, place, find a place to be accepted, and welcomed, and cared for, and encouraged, and loved, and help us to help each other to enjoy life with you by being family together. We ask this in your name. Amen.
2: Great, Andrew. Thank you so much. What a great introduction to uh, Baby Thanksgiving and uh, what we're going to do now. It's great that we've got the, uh, the youngsters back with us. And uh, uh, girls and boys, I hope you're really going to be a big part of what we're doing now. really kind of uh, want to encourage you to get stuck in. Just um, before we actually go to the Baby Thanksgiving itself, just a sort of word of what, what are we actually doing here, you know? If we think back to the New Testament, we know that Jesus loved to draw children to himself didn't he he said let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to ones like these and i think this amazing when we think about children there's a sort of innocence and a openness. I mean, I know there's the other side, but, you know, there is a, a kind of vulnerability. And, and I think in a way that's why this is such an important thing to do, because, you know, we know that the parents will be shaping those children right from, you know, day one and throughout their lives. And uh, it's a big task. And as Andrew said, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. And so we want to be standing with them today as they, uh, as they bring these, uh, these children up. It's a time for the families to uh, recognize that each child that uh, has been born to them is a gift from God. And so we give thanks for the safe delivery of those children, the joy and the delight that they bring. And we, as church families, share in that joy with them. It's a time for them as parents to commit publicly to raise these children, to do their best to help them to follow Jesus through their lives. And uh, it's a good point for them to say, no, we are going to do our best to raise our children in that way. And then as Andrew said, we are family together. And so these families, we stand with them today and just say, yes, we will support you. We're part of this with you. We want to be the ones alongside you. We want to be the ones invited to help when it gets tough. We want to be the ones who are going to be their teachers in energy or going to help out in tots or whatever it takes to raise these children. We're going to be there and we're going to be helping you do that. So those are some of the things that today is what it isn't. It's not some sort of magic ceremony that makes them a Christian. We believe that each of these uh, children will at one point have to make their own decision about following Christ. And hopefully the input of their parents, the work that we would do with them as a church together will bring them to that point. But that's a decision that uh, they will make themselves. And So this isn't baptism either. Baptism will come after they have made that decision. And maybe for you, if you're parents in the church here or grandparents too, I know a number of people are. It's also a good time to remember the commitments you made to your children. And uh, I know in our lives, you know, whether they're big or small or whether they're big, you know, they're still your children, aren't they? And you're still um, trying to have your input, trying to bring that guidance and direction. And uh, it's a chance for us to remember and to think about the children and the grandchildren that God has trusted us with. So let's invite them up, shall we? I'm talking in the abstract until we see. So uh, you guys, Enna, Dorota, um, Raiden, Susie, Danny, Lindsay, come up. It's great that uh, a few friends have come across from Hastings to support them. Danny, you going to come up? Come on, mate. Um, Danny's really part of 6 o'clock, but um, we'll encourage him to come up with Danny. Uh, sorry. You know, I said I wouldn't embarrass them, and I- I'm going to try and stick to that. Um, so I don't know whether maybe if, you, if, you're, if you're here as family, I, I know I've seen some really smartly dressed children, why don't you, you if you want to come up and um, support your families here, you're welcome to come and stand with them. Maybe some of the, the other guys from the core team and that sort of thing. Really we just want to um, pray for them. Now actually what I should do is just kind of um, tell you who we have. So uh, Dorota and Enna you know and Eli, Lindsay and Bella. And uh, Bella, I've sort of, I've known before she was born, actually. I've walked with these guys, and they've been having the scan, and I've heard the scan, and everything else. So it's great to have Danny and Lindsay and Bella. Faith Rose, too. Big sister to kind of uh, play with her. And then Ryden and Susie and Ellis. Ryden and Susie have, on one level, already been through a baby Thanksgiving, but, you know, we like to do it again. And that part of... um, Standing with them as church family. That's why it's important to do it here in the venue with us. So it's, it's great to have you guys. And um, why well, don't I just pray just a, a general blessing. And then we'll ask someone just to pray for each, uh, each one of them. Father God, we do thank you for these children, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for Eli. We thank you for Bella. We thank you for Ellis, Lord God. Lord, thank you for their safe birth and their great start in life. And uh, we just want to pray just a blessing upon them and the families now, Lord God. Lord, through all the challenges of raising children, Lord God, I pray that there will be joy and there will be delight from these children. I pray that you will strengthen the parents, Lord God, Dorota, Anna, Lindsay, Danny, Ryden, Susie, Lord God, I pray that they will bring these children up well, that they will introduce you, Lord Jesus, to their children at an early stage and uh, we'll set them a great example in following you through their lives. So now just pray, just your blessing upon them. We pray for health for them. We pray for freedom from accidents, Lord God. We pray that these well, children will thrive and do well in your name. Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, maybe I'll just get one or two people to pray.
1: Anyone want to start? Oh, thank you. Yeah, i just pray for... And then Dorota, yeah, i pray. I pray for wisdom. You said if any of us lacks wisdom, to ask you and you'll give generously without finding fault. And my goodness, we need wisdom bringing up these little ones. And I just pray that you, you will give them wisdom when they need it, Lord. I pray that when there's things they're not sure what to do, I pray that you will, you will it, wisdom might come from family members, it might come from friends and from the church, Lord, but I pray that you'll bring it when they need it, to how, to how to bring up little Eli to know you and love you, Lord. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty certain the name Eli means my God. So I to pray that Eli will come to know you as his God. We know above all else, that's what we're made for. That's where our hearts find our, their rest. They find their rest in you. And So we just pray, would he grow up to be a mighty man of God? I pray at a very young age, he'll recognize his need for you. I pray he'll recognize your wonderful love and your grace and mercy, your desire to take him on adventures with you, your desire for him to know you. And I pray that he will know and he will say and he will sing, my God. The living God, Yahweh, is my God. We pray, Lord, would you bless him and cause him, draw him to yourself, we pray. Would you just cause him to do mighty things for you and to just enjoy life with you, we ask. Amen.
2: So I just encourage you just to amen those prayers. range. Right? just going to pray for Danny and Lindsay and uh, uh, Bella. And Faith
3: Rose. And Faith Rose. <laughs> and Faith Rose. <laughs> yeah, Father, I just pray for your blessing upon this lovely family. Father, thank you for the way that you have revealed yourself to them. And, Father, I just pray, Lord, that as I continue to grow in you, Father, you will give them wisdom and understanding and patience and everything that is needed to bring up these two little girls in your ways. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the way that you've led them over the past years. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that as these young girls grow... They will learn to see you as important in their lives. And they will turn to you and walk with you. And Father, you will be to them a shining light, a rock, Lord, in their lives. Amen.
1: Yeah, Lord, we thank you for Danny and Lindsay. Lord, we thank you for Bella, Lord, and for Faith Rose. Lord, we just pray that you will... As Laurie just said, you will give them patience, Lord. We 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 pray for wisdom, but we also pray for patience as as parents, Lord. It's 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 not always easy, Lord. And we do just thank you that we can rely on you, Lord. When when we get to the end of our tethers, sometimes that we know that you are there for us, and Lord, I just pray that over Danny and Lindsay that you know that they would never feel exasperated, they would never feel at the end of their tether, but they can always rely on you to give them that support, that strength. And Lord, as as Andrew's been speaking this, this morning about family, Lord, may they be able to rely on the wider family, Lord, those around them, Lord, that they can put their burdens on them as well, Lord. Lord, we thank you for them. Bless them, Lord. Bless them as they bring up Bella and Faith Rose, Lord. Encourage them, Lord, in your ways, Lord. May they grow in your ways. Amen. So Ellis's grandma,
2: I think he's going to pray for them, so Marguerite's going to pray for uh, Ryden and Susie and Ellis.: yes.
3: yes, Lord, we thank you for the gift of, of Ellis Job. and Lord, we just thank you that he is born healthy and strong. and Lord, we thank you for his parents, who so love him. And Lord, I just pray that he will grow up to know you at a very early age. I pray Father he will be a man of integrity. He will grow up to be full of the Holy Spirit and that he will be a real ambassador for you. Father I just pray for Rydon Susie as they um, work together to form uh, the, the character of this little baby with your help. I pray Father that you will be the centre of their lives, Jesus, and that they will rely on you totally for every situation that arises. And so, Father, I ask a blessing and I thank you for this little family. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Well, thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for family together. Thank you that Susie and Ryden have chosen to be part of our family here in Bexhill and it's just been such a joy to get to know them better. Father, I do pray that they will take on board all the things that Andrew was talking about this morning, about um, being part of a wider family and knowing that they can come to us when they need to and that they don't have to do it all on their own. Yeah, thank you, Lord, that you've given us that privilege to be part of a Christian family where we can all support and help each other. Yeah, Yeah. and we thank you for little Ellis. Amen. I just have this little verse here, Um, it's from Proverbs 20, verse 7, and it says, The righteous who walk in integrity, blessed are his children after him. And Lord, I just thank you for Ryden and Susie, Lord, that as they walk and um, are a testimony of people who follow you, Lord, that you will bless Ellis, Lord, throughout his life. Lord, as they look to you for guidance, for wisdom, Lord, that they would partner with you in their parenting skills, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen. I think we've probably reached our attention span here, but so great for you guys. Uh, I didn't remember that it's Ellis's first birthday today. I don't know if he'll understand, but shall we sing happy birthday to him? Why not do that? Happy birthday to you.
3: Happy birthday to you, happy birthday
2: dear Alice, happy birthday to you. Great, well um, we're going to go upstairs now, we've got some cake and some juice up there. Um, Yeah, cake. (laughs) It is a chance. I mean, the first change in being family is saying hi. So if you don't know these guys, why don't you try and make sure that you at least are saying, hey, hi, I'm glad that we're church family together. So we're going to go upstairs and have that, and uh, Jenny's going to say something.
3: Can I please, can you give your cards back that you were given when your children went up?